0: Thank you guys very very much. Now I want to uh, uh, start by uh, thanking um, the Lord for this wonderful group here. You know, Leah's married to John, who's one of the pastors here. We have uh, um, uh, DDA and Michaela is she was here in first service. I can't expect her to be at all the services, I suppose. But uh, anyway, DDA, you guys know DDA. He's been with us over two years now, leading worship. Round of applause, or mm, we're having a moment of, okay, good. He's a wonderful guy, and, and these guys are really serving the Lord, um, uh, really with good hearts, and, and you're, you're blessed to have them. And then we have, um, we have our, our, some of our interns have come in. We have five uh, guys from Nicaragua, four guys, actually, one girl, and we have two of them here today. You want to wave there, Australia? And, and these guys got married the day they left the day they left to come here from Nicaragua. That's pretty cool. Like two days before or something? Two days before, yeah. So we were their honeymoon, an internship with us. What a honeymoon. So they're going to be with us two years. This week, we were able to go out and uh, do some ministry. And um, I know of at least uh, on one home visit, we had somebody come to faith. And then uh, we're sharing the gospel this week with another ministry. We had 15 come to the Lord. On a college campus. So, lots of good things happening, and we were out. Certainly, Lord, these are great guys to have. So, I hope you guys get a good chance to uh, get to know them too while they're here. All right, so we're missing Nate this morning. Nate and Kristen, he got tickets. Uh, his parents got him tickets to an Alabama game. So, needless to say, if it's going to be either you or Alabama, you know where he went, right? We know where he goes. There's no question. And so those little boys, the whole family's having a blast and uh, went down there for the trip. I mean, they drove like whatever, 100 hours to get down there, 100 hours to get back. So they'll be back here uh, Monday night. Anyway, well, listen, um, we're going to open now to Ephesians 6, continue our study in Ephesians 6 uh, that uh, we've been going through. And uh, today, we're on the very last part and the first offensive weapon uh, that is on the list. Okay? So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. There we go. Uh, I want to read with you uh, this passage again because we always want to base our thoughts and try to really get our anchored in the Word of God. So Ephesians chapter 6, the uh, armor of God. Let's pray together before we get started again. Lord Jesus, um, your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. But Lord, we have... um, We just need your spirit to speak to us, Lord. Um, We're we're talking from a book that was written in a different language thousands of years ago. And uh, we need your spirit to uh, train us, to teach us, and to guide us, Lord. And so we look forward, Lord, to what you might say. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we are. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Let me start. I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. You can follow along in the ESV. In conclusion... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armor of God. His precepts are like splendid armor, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and strategies and deceits of the devil. Now, one thing I want you to get here is, this is a very personal note. Let me explain to you how we know this. Uh, Acts chapter 20, if you look uh, at the end the end of that passage, you have Paul the apostle leaving the church in Ephesus. So he had been working with the brothers in Ephesus, and they were very, very close. So close, as a matter of fact, that the Bible says a unique part of that story there in the book of Acts is that when he got ready to leave these guys in Ephesus, the Bible says that he wept, and they wept. And a matter of fact, it says in the start of verse, uh, verse one of chapter 21, that they had to tear themselves away from each other because he loved them so much. And they knew that in this life, they wouldn't see each other again until heaven. And so it is after that, uh, happened, uh, time has passed now. And now wall locked up, he's chained to a Roman guard and he's asking, he's got a guy he's dictating this letter to, to these people he loves so much. You see the difference? It makes a big difference if I write a letter to, uh, you know, uh, uh, an opinion piece in 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 the newspaper versus me writing something to my own kids that I love, right? Different letter. So here's what Paul is doing. He's telling them stuff that he knows they need. So he says, therefore, put on the complete armor of God, verse 13, so that you'll be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm. So stand firm, he says again, and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth around your waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace and preparation. Above all, he says, lift up the protective shield of faith which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, which we talked about last week, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, as Paul is writing this, remember, he's chained to a Roman guard, so he's, he's looking right at the armor. He's describing what he's seeing, and he's helping us to use that as an analogy. Now, this is such a clear analogy to them, because Roman soldiers were everywhere. They dominated the world. You know, they were in control of the world. And do you know what one instrument people believe, or historians believe, was instrumental in one of the biggest things that helped them conquer the whole world was the sword they used. Now the sword was called the gladius, the gladius sword. And all that is is Latin for sword. So gladius, and then you know gladiator, that was taken from the guy who wields the sword. But these soldiers, all of them used this glad- And I mean they used it for about 500 years. And this sword, this sword, it was about 20, 22 inches long. They trained with it every morning. It was uh, uh, sharp on both sides, and then the tip was razor sharp. And what they believe is it was uh, used again and again, and all their conquering that the Roman, uh, Roman army did, it was the deciding factor in many, many, many battles. So that the reason they conquered the world was because of this sword, the gladius. So Paul, while looking and knowing all this about the gladius, he's looking at it, and he says, finally, he describes to us our offensive weapon, and he says, like one that could conquer the world, a sword that everyone is afraid of, a sword everyone respects, an instrument that is known to everybody who will read this letter. He says, that's what the Bible is. So that's the sword of the Spirit. So this is what Paul is doing, and as we read this, he compares this powerful, offensive weapon in this way. The exciting thing is, our sword is more powerful than their sword. Our sword has stood the test of time. If I were to have a quiz here before I just told you what I told you, there ain't a person in here know what a gladius is. Not a person in here. We've replaced those weapons over and over again. Matter of fact, it might be hard to get some of you to know what the Roman ump- army was or empire. But the empire that Christing, the empire that was built on this word, built on the basis of the Word of God, that sword has stayed and is continuing to make a difference. A matter of fact, Christianity is on the rise. Contrary to the way it may feel, contrary to the way it may seem uh, in our world, I want you to understand that uh, Bible consumption and Christianity is growing and growing. The sword of the Spirit. Starts. Listen, 100 million new believers every year is what they expect. Now, granted, a lot of that is in Asia and Africa, but remember, those were places where it was illegal and impossible to even bring this word to not too long ago. Had I prophesied that 20, 30, 40 years ago, you'd have laughed at me. But now today, the epicenter of Christianity is shifting there, and God is still doing great, great work here and there. And even in America, Bible consumption is on the rise. As a matter of fact, after uh, on the Bible apps, on the downloading the Bible, they went up like 40% after 2020. Fascinating. Let me read you some of the statistics about the Bible overall. Uh, the Bible has sold more book in, than, than any book in human history. Five billion sales of the Bible. Every year, 100 million are printed, six Bibles are sold every 10 seconds, 2,289 are sold each hour, and 115,000 are given away each day. The U.S. consumes about a quarter of the Bibles purchased each year. Now, this phone, sometimes, I don't know about it, sometimes, you know, it kind of gets on my nerves. But... Listen, people can find you anywhere. Remember that there was a time, and many of you can't remember this, but there was a time where when you went to work, it was it. There was no talking again until eight hours later or whatever, unless they caught you in the office. There was no time. And uh, then uh, we got this thing. And now uh, I have uh, 550 family members who can all call me at all hours of the day and night. Have you guys had this experience? I can contact anybody, and they can contact me. And a uh, matter of fact, uh, even my mother has a phone locator on all of her sons, so my mother still knows everywhere I go. <laughs> so this, this phone here, listen, this phone, get nervous. but let me tell you something. As much as it's hard for me, for my generation, to imagine this, but the Bible is growing in its usage uh, beyond belief exponentially because of this thing. Matter of fact, there's uh, up to 500 million downloads now of the Bible uh, app here, this phone. Uh, Something like 60,000 human beings in America are looking at the Bible on that app every second. This uh, book is still changing lives, still doing miracles, And still growing here and around the world. a matter of fact, one interesting other little statistic I'll give you is this Bible, this sword of the Spirit, is also the basis of the most watched movie of all time. The movie is called the Jesus film. It's just the book of Luke, word for word. The the entire movie is just the book of Luke. And it has been seen by over 6 billion human beings. Now, Avatar is the next one that has been most watched. And Avatar, uh, not watched by me, by the way, but it's... uh, 313 million tickets were sold. So that gives you a little bit of a disparity between that and this book of Luke, just the truth of the gospel. The Bible is like nothing else in world history. There is no comparison. So why carry the sword? Why should it uh, be such an integral part uh, that Paul would use this as his lesson, his uh, illustration because remember, he's told him about all the defensive things, how you can stay safe, how you can keep people off you, how you can keep from the fiery dart hitting you. It's all stuff you need to know, right? I want to know that. But now he's telling you right at the end, he's telling you about how you can get offensive with the word of God. The Christian becomes offensive with this, this book. This book is our offense. This book is, is uh, many, many, many things. Let me start by saying the sword is powerful. Look at Hebrews 4.12. I like this because the sword's power in this book here, it removes, for me, mysticism in Christianity. See, the book is what I base my faith on. I don't base my faith on even what a preacher says or what a friend says. Uh, we have many who uh, will quote uh, God and say, God told me, and then they finish the sentence. Now, I don't know. Maybe the Lord did speak to him. Maybe the Lord, I don't know that. But I would tell you that this is what I know. Listen, often we're looking for him to tell us something he's already told us. You follow I me? Mean? This book is complete. This book is the inerrant God. Listen, there's always a joke in Christian uh, colleges because a, uh, a guy will say to a, say to a student, uh, God told us, God told me that we're supposed to get married. And then the girl says, well, God never told me. What happened here? Do you ever wonder that? Do you ever wonder when the pastor or somebody says, Lord told me this, Lord told me that? Look, maybe. I mean, all at least at a minimum we ought to be saying is, first, let's start with what the Word of God has told us for sure. There is not a need for us to be reading 500 books on how we personally can hear a new word from God when He's given us His full word. Let's enc- I'm encouraging you to know this book because this sword is powerful. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword, much like our discussion, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Listen, even this sword makes even the smallest, weakest soldier dangerous. We used to joke about small policemen. We'd make fun of them. We'd joke uh, between them. But let me tell you something. When they pull their gun, they're as tough as Liam Nielsen and Taken. Everything changes. That sword is what makes you, no matter how weak you are, where you're at, there's no special skills needed with that thing in your hand. You know, I was looking here for Say Something... Real catchy, like Nate does. You know, like he said. Um, he's. Oh, I ask him this all the time. Like he has seventeen of these every sermon. Uh, Your uh, Satan's best shot is a thought. He said that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I thought that's pretty good. I wrote that down. I said. So here's here's my attempt. I I, I, don't know. I was trying to think about the sword. And I thought. I said uh, the sword can cut the gut. How's that? <laughs> not not really as good. You don't think? Maybe nobody wrote that down. Doesn't seem like. I, listen, I uh, yeah, he's in a different league on these things. So, but but look, the truth is, this sword is powerful. Secondly, the sword is the authority. It's not your voice or a politician's voice or a preacher's voice that is the authority. The authority is God's word, and and there's a danger in living off what we believe to be His voice instead of what we know is His written word. The sword is the authority. This is so relieving in life. Listen, you have so many different people telling you that this guy's right and that guy's wrong and this guy's right and this who's wrong. Look, I don't know all that. Politics or human thought or this issue or that. Look, I don't know. I don't know. But I do know what the book guides me. So I'll rely on the sword as the authority for human behavior. The sword is the authority. The sword separates right from wrong. The sword separates right from wrong. Listen, you know, when uh, we see some of the evil in this world, it is simply mind-boggling. Last night, they had a funeral here in a community that we work in uh, in Annandale. Uh, they asked us if they could hold a funeral here. There was a woman, a 30-year-old woman, was killed by her cousin, and so uh, then he committed suicide. So both were uh, had the funeral service here last night, both bodies, both fam- the same family. So they came together. You look at that and you say, What in the world is going on? What is happening? How would this evil world be so bad that it would end like this? But you know, when we look at that as Christians, those of us who know this sword, we know that it's no surprise. The Bible says that this world will be full of destruction. The Bible says that there will be hate and anger. The Bible says there will be violence and crime. When you and I, listen, I can remember the day 9-11 happened. when, When those planes went in there, And the newscasters started talking about why and what happened and who was it. Man, I knew who it was. The case was closed as soon as I saw it. It was the enemy. It was Satan. Just like the Bible said. They didn't need to show me who actually flew the plane because I knew who flew that plane. You see? This Bible, this Bible separates right from wrong. We're not so shocked. This week I was interviewed on a couple of uh, different news things about uh, juvenile crime and what's going on with juvenile crime and how it's on the rise and everything. And the truth is the only way to stop that is with this word. This word will tell you what's wrong and this word will get you to what's right. It separates right from wrong. Think about the simplicity of this. The simplicity of the scriptures and how it means. When it says things like, look not every man on his own things but every man also in the things of others. Philippians 2.4. four. Uh, It gives us a guideline that can be applied to marriage, that can be applied to friendship, that uh, that when you suffer betrayal or you say, how did that happen? You know how it happened. The book said that would happen. I know exactly how that happened. Our problem comes when we start thinking that the sinners we're in love with or the sinners we're friends with are going to behave like holy people. But the Bible's already told you what you're like and what others are like. So see, there's great relief. He separates right from wrong. I can see it's wrong and be understanding and forgive and keep moving. When I know that I trust the book, my feelings don't feel this way. But when I see this, this sword separates right from wrong. The Bible is clear on sin, salvation, forgiveness about the real spiritual war going on. The next one is the sword can change me. The sword can change me. Now listen, everybody on this planet, almost everybody, wants to change. Something you want to change. Something. There's something in your life or even people that are irreligious, they want to change. Everybody wants to change. What is it we do that can change us? What can we do? Why is it we continue in the same patterns? Why is it that we have the same frustrations and I'm not as who I'd like to be? Well, let me tell you something. The sword of the Spirit can change you. Imagine the power of that knife, power of that sword the Roman army had, but I'm saying that that sword... Is the equivalent of it. This is even more powerful and it can change you. Here's what I mean there's a study done uh, by Back to the Bible uh, organization that did a bunch of research over seven years, 200,000 people they interviewed in 21 different countries to try to assess what changed spiritual behavior. What they wanted to know was uh, if somebody had, uh, say, lust, loneliness, anxiety, hate, anger, whatever, those big categories, and then what they would say is, what what happened to reduce those things? And so they looked at prayer, they looked at Bible study, they looked at uh, uh, church, they looked at witnessing, they looked at uh, uh, kindness, you know, a variety of different uh, categories. And the thing they found at the end of their study was very clear, and that was the people who were in the Bible four days or more per week saw a dramatic reduction in their life struggles. The real change, what they found, was guaranteed for those who would be in the Word of God consistently. It wouldn't eradicate all problems, but it would reduce our struggles. Brothers and sisters, it's not just proven by them, though. This is what the book always said. Remember? We just read it. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit. This book is like nothing else. The sword can change you. You want to deal with anger. You want to have a better marriage. You want to raise your kids better. Whatever it may be. You understand this book is what is going to change you. The sword fits every soldier's hand. Here's another one. The sword fits. So the sword is powerful. The sword's the authority. The sword separates right from wrong. The sword can change me. And the sword fits every soldier's hand. This is a big deal. You know... um, Imagine there's such limits to this example that Paul was giving. Because how could he say the sword of the Spirit is like that sword and then, say, tell a group of parents to get their kids to read the Bible? Well, the kids couldn't. You imagine a kid carrying around a big sword. That wouldn't work. So the sword wouldn't be the same in the child's hand. But let me tell you what's different about that sword and this sword. This sword fits every hand. It fits every soldier's hands. And every soldier can use it at any time and in any fight. This book works everywhere and in every circumstance, and it is made for you to use it in the fight. Remember that Jesus used it in his fight. We look at uh, the temptation of Jesus, Jesus Christ. One of the ways that you know this book is real and powerful is that Jesus gave confidence to this book. Jesus is the one who uh, uh, endorsed this book. And everything written in it. And so Jesus himself even used it. Listen to this a very familiar story to you. When he was tempted. And Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came. And said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written... It is written, Jesus quotes the Bible, Man should not live by bread alone, but by every mouth that proceeds, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. And then Satan used the Bible, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said back to him, because he had twisted the Scriptures, Jesus came back to him and straightened it out and said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all these kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you just fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, "Begone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and with him only shall you serve. The Lord Jesus even had trust and faith that this could win every fight. The sword brings blessing and comfort. The sword isn't just powerful. It, isn't just, it also is one that brings blessing. Now, there probably isn't anyone in here who hasn't been blessed by Psalm 23 or been blessed by a certain scripture. The Bible talks about a word fitly spoken. Uh, it's, it's, it, it, it comes at just the right moment. And when he talks about this, he's talking about the word, and the, and the word of the Greek language is rhema, and it's, it's a special word, a word that comes at just the right moment. Uh, There are these opportunities in our life where it says redeeming the time for the days are evil. And what he's talking about there is taking those those kairos is the word, those unique opportunities and season on them with the right word. This is what the book will do. It's not a right word from a friend as good as that can be. It's not the right word from just uh, some encouragement of, of some Christian writer. But this word is the one that will make the difference and provide what you need, the sword brings blessing. Your testimonies also are my delight and my counselor, Psalm 119, 24. Now, let me tell you something. Somehow or another, in my upbringing as a child, I began to see this book as like broccoli. I don't like broccoli. I don't even want it on the table. I don't even want it near me. I don't like broccoli at all. And you know, the book, I was told I should read it. I was told I should memorize it. I was always told I wasn't doing enough of it, whatever I did. And this was the right thing. But for me, maybe even I knew broccoli was good for me, but I just don't want to try it. Now, the other day, I took these guys from Nicaragua to show them an American bakery. So I took them for apple pie. I mean, what else would I show them? We all agree, right? All Americans agree. Say amen, brother. Yes, of course. So I took him for apple pie. So we're standing in this place. And, you know, I was in there with them real quick. You know what? I could have spent the day in that place. I got to gone back there, just eating a while, taking a chair, just sat down. As soon as I got hungry again, eat some more. I mean, I love that place. So how come the world seems more like a bakery sometimes and the Bible seems more like broccoli? And let me tell you something. It's because we we have misunderstood this incredible scripture. Satan may have done his greatest Uh, victory in your life by confusing you about how great this book is because in the ways i'm telling you and the ways i'm telling you now is the sword brings blessing and comfort to your life the board the sword is the authority that will change your whole world perspective the sword is what will bring uh couples together and it is the it is the truth that will give you clarity on how to treat each other and what jobs to get and so on and so forth all these things All through the sword of the spirit. Brothers and sisters, I want you to think of this book more like apple pie than you do like broccoli. I want you to see that uh, the greatest time of your day, the greatest time of your day will be a moment to get even a morsel. I know you're busy. I know you got a million things going on. But even a morsel of scripture, uh, as you study this book, as you get to know it, as you get to know the Lord through the book, it will be the joy. It can take over the days that are really hard and long. One of the things that interests me is uh, 85% of us, 85% of us get all of our news, all the things we learn on on our phones. That's how we learn information. Yet for me, if I was normally preaching a sermon to people like me, I'd say, you know, you need to get time alone with this book. You need to get paper out. You need to read it. You need to underline it and so on and so forth. That's the way I grew up, but it's not true. It's not the way people are only getting information. So I got to encourage you, you can get the word all different places and you need to. The scriptures are not told even, we're not even commanded to read them. We're commanded to meditate on them. Think about them. Uh, Digest them. Make them uh, 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 something you think about. And so it may be more beneficial for you to work through a small passage over and over again. Really get to know it. Meditate on it even throughout the day in little bits, even when you're really busy and things are challenged. So that you get to see the value of that sword day to day. Now the sword also offers warnings. Warnings presents us from losing vigilance. The sword offers all kinds of warnings, like it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment, Hebrews 9.20. But if you don't know that, you don't know the warnings, you live a different life. So the sword offers warnings. You know, uh, one of the things that happens as a policeman uh, is that you can um, lose vigilance. If you're, um, you get more and more comfort the longer you do it. And uh, I was thinking about a time. We had a, uh, in my district where I was working in the 5th District of Washington, D.C., there was D.C. General Hospital. And at D.C. General Hospital, we had so many criminals in there that, no kidding, we have a jail in D.C. General Hospital. Used to have a jail in D.C. General Hospital. And so uh, they would bring prisoners over from the jail, and then they would be treated, and then we'd put them in the jail and back and forth. Well, one night, we would get a lot of hospital uh, duty, we'd call, and uh, you would get this. uh, Now, I work midnights. So it was late one night. And we had a uh, criminal uh, that was in, uh, in, the, in the bed, in the room. And the, uh, the officer, a female officer, a friend of mine, uh, worked for me. She uh, was, was the guard to sit at the room. Well, uh, everything was good. Um, and, I, and I forgot to tell you, the guy had two broken legs. So he had two big casts on his leg. And so uh, she uh, woke up about uh, 4 a.m. And uh, there was no prisoner in the bed. That's a problem. She she just figured that this guy with two broken legs couldn't possibly escape her custody. So she started with trying to tell us some story about how he overpowered her. And then we said, wait a minute, he had two broken legs. Okay, okay. So anyway, because he had two broken legs, even we caught him. He was just going down to the metro. He would gotten as far as the metro, hobbling along there trying to get. We caught him. But my point is, she lost her vigilance. She thought, well, what's going to happen here? You know, you can get so used to living life. You can just fall asleep at the wheel. You just just sit and just let it go. And you forget that the sword offers warnings of how we're to live and the dangers of not living the way Christ wants us to are in this book as well. Don't lose vigilance. The third or the last one is the sword brings stability to my past, to my present, and to my future. Now, this is a sermon in itself because we have so much struggling with our past, don't we? all the time. I'm wondering about, I get up here to preach and I'm thinking of all the rotten things I've done I'm amazed that I would be the one to talk about this. Because Satan is the accuser and that's what he does. He's the accuser of the brethren. So constantly, every Christian is going to struggle with this deal about sin. Listen to what uh, the Bible says though. One of my favorite verses, Psalm 86.5. This sword says that he is ready to forgive. See, he's not like me. If my kids do something wrong, I can forgive them. But if they do it Two times, three times, five times. Man, I'm done. I'm about done. That's that's it. Ready to forgive would not properly describe my approach. However, it, so it, it makes it very hard for me to understand this sword. The sword says that no, in fact, God's remarkable and undeserved grace is extended to us again and again and again. Listen to Second uh, Corinthians 4, and Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence, for it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. His grace extends to more and more people. That's our past. Then we have our present. You know you're living in your present. You don't know if you married the right person. You don't know if you're in the right job. You don't know if uh, you're sick. Uh, you're not feeling well. Uh, you're unhappy about where you Whatever it is, the present, what does the Bible say there? Well, here it is. So we do not lose heart, verse 16. So our outer self is wasting away, yet our inner self is being renewed, how often? Day by day. Isn't that something? The present, the sword of the Spirit, affects your present, affects your past, affects your present, and then it affects your future. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory, an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are just transient. Remember I talked about today, the present, the str- they're all transient. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Um, I try to uh, think about how to explain to you how great this book is, how great this sword is. I want you to know that... Uh, the sword of the spirit has outlasted the sword of the Roman soldier. A matter of fact, as we said, nobody even knows what a gladius is today. And while that sword was used to win the Roman Empire, this book has one is the one that destroyed the Roman Empire. See, it is the truth that this old man was. Telling some other guy to write down in a prison cell sitting next to a Roman guard that you and I and was used by the Holy Spirit to change the whole Roman world, oh, this book is like nothing you 've ever imagined. you know uh, sometimes I think because uh, I was a policeman, people think uh, you know I had three daughters so they say you know self-defense? Should they uh, carry guns? Should they do all this stuff? Do you really want them to know? You know, truth is, I I don't. I don't really think about that too much, as much as I think it'd be great for them to be, you know, no problem with any of those things. But however, if you ask me what I really want to happen, is I want them to trust, love, depend on, and obey the sword of the spirit. That's the one goal I would have for all my grandkids, for all of you, for me, is to love this book, because I know I know if they meditate on this book, I know if they follow the words of this book, if they follow the Christ of this book, if they interact with him, I know that they can face any battle. I, I like all those Bourne uh, movies, Jason Bourne movies. And uh, you ever see those fight scenes? I mean, what in the world can he do? Just so you know, I've seen lots of fight, and never seen anybody fight like Jason Bourne. Well, he's incredible. Jason Bourne, he should be an MMA champion. He's unbelievable, Jason Bourne. But what I want my kids to be is, I don't want them to study and go to, uh, training so they could turn to Jason Bourne. I want them to be Jason Bourne with the Bible. I want them to know how to do spiritual warfare like Jason Bourne does physical warfare. This book is what will prepare you for it. This book is what is there. That's why he says now you got it on the offense. Now the Gideons—I don't know if you guys have heard of them—but they've—they uh, were an organization started by three traveling salesmen that uh, wanted to put Bibles in hotel rooms so other salesmen, when they came, to, they'd always have a hotel room with a Bible. Well, since that time, in 1908, they started. And since that time, they've distributed over a billion Bibles. And this is what it says at the introduction to every Bible they give away. Let me read it to you in closing. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this wonderful book. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this picture, for the clarity that comes with your book, for the clarity, Lord Jesus, that deals with our anxieties, all the things we don't know, all the unknowns, that, Lord Jesus, we can trust you, that we learn more and more and more how to relieve the pains of this life through your word. To at least understand the pains of this life. To understand the suffering that we're going through in light of your word and the way you've described it. Jesus, give us a desire. Give us a new vision, a new hope, a new love for this book. Lord, I pray you would guide by your spirit all of us to love this book more and to know it better and to know you more as we study it. Take a second and just maybe you just need to yield to the Lord. Your knowledge, your love for the Bible, your future—you know the way you see the Bible. Well, you just want to lead that, yield that to the Lord, and say, "Lord, I want this sword." Maybe you don't feel like you know it very well. None of us do. It's so uh, supernatural. It is uh, <clears throat> Romans eleven thirty three says, "Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom of God! How unsearchable His judgments." And it's paths beyond tracing out. You're not alone. You're not alone. We don't know like we should. So maybe you want to say to Jesus, I want to know more. I want to know more. I want to know you more. Um, Maybe some of you say, I just haven't been spending time in this word. I've spent time listening to this book or that book or listening to preachers or whatever. But I've not spent time in the word. Maybe you just need to say Jesus, Jesus, I need you and I need your word. Speak to me through your word. Maybe you're not figuring out how to share the word with your kids or your family. Maybe you want to ask Jesus about that. How can you do that? Maybe you need to send texts this week with encouraging verses to lost friends. Just speak to the Lord. Open your hearts to him now as we close. Thank you, Lord, for this book. Thank you for what it means to me and what it means to believers all over this world throughout history. Thank you, thank you, thank you for it. Without it, it would be very challenging to live this life. We look to you, Lord Jesus, to guide us today and to guide us forever through your book until we get to see you face to face and hear from you directly. Lord Jesus, we look forward to that as this book promises soon. Soon we will be with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys stand and sing with us together. Come on, how many of you know that the word of God is true? Come on, how many of